0: Hello, I'm Mo Newland, and you are listening to the How To CEO Podcast. The world has changed. You decided, you chose to become a CEO. You can crash and fail, or you can build an amazing company. The good news is we are here to help. We have the tools, we have the knowledge, we have the expertise, and we have amazing guests who can share that knowledge to help you with everything you need to know to succeed as a CEO. I'm Murray Newlands. You're listening to the How to CEO Podcast. I am with Itai from The Duda, which is a uh, company for building websites and online presence. He's built uh, an amazing company uh, with offices around the world. He's going to share his insights into how to be a great CEO. He is a great CEO himself. As well as what he's learned from working with his customers, agencies and their customers about what it takes to be a great CEO, and why CEOs need to communicate really well with their teams. So welcome to the show.:
1: Thank you, Murray. Really glad to be on the show. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. So um, when did you uh, become a, when did you choose to become a CEO, and, and why?:
1: Yeah. So that, that actually takes us quite a bit back. Uh, I started my first company at the age of uh, 21. It was, uh, it was actually a, short, a pretty short stint. Uh, we, we did uh, something that turned out to be, uh, could have been an, uh, a nice business, but it was uh, really around you know, document saving and databases, and uh, it was with working with small businesses, but kind of six months in, I felt like I wanted to go in, uh, and uh, study in the university and, and get a little bit, uh, you know, more knowledge around programming. So I ended that stint. But I feel like I always had that entrepreneurial spirit from a very young age, uh, wanting to do something of my own. And, and that carried through throughout the years uh, and really started Duda to uh, only much later uh, at the age of uh, I think it was uh, around 30, I would say 34, around the age of 34. uh, After having, you know, after seeing quite a bit of experience working at bigger companies and smaller startups, and it also took a while kind of to find this, you know, kind of a great idea that I felt
0: uh, would be worthwhile pursuing. Okay, so given all of that, knowledge experience having done it before what are the sort of core things that you brought to this setting up this company and how you consciously chose to to be a ceo yeah um
1: i think it's a seeing you know it's i think it's very important to go uh at least for me learning and watching other companies and other leaders that uh, and, and learning through that experience Uh, it's not just about how to be a CEO. It's also understanding as a CEO of a software company, you're selling to to other companies. So really understanding how the thinking is on the other side, the buyer, you know, how's the buyer looking at it and understanding the processes that go uh, or happen in in bigger companies around the buying process and all the, the people who are involved. So I think it's really important to be on that side because later on you're selling software and you, know, you might be the small startup and you're nimble and you want things to happen very quickly. So it's important to understand bigger companies and how they work uh, and the process that, that they go through and who are the people that you need to know uh, and get acquainted with in, in those companies to, to be able to manage the, the selling cycle. Um, so I think, I think that experience that I came with after you know, quite a few years uh, was definitely very valuable um also learning a lot of things of what not to do right? sometimes what not to do is more important than what is what to do so working at at bigger companies and you know kind of seeing uh you know how you know how slow they are you know sometimes how you know that they're not nimble that decision making is usually far, far from being uh you know uh done you know done in a really optimal way uh, kind of recognizing uh, talent in an organization and how important it is to have these people who are, who are talented and you know, cherish your best employees because they're really going to drive your business. So you learn a lot about all these things that are very uh, important in the process
0: of building uh, a business. So I know that you wanted to share um, how uh, and why communication uh, and CEOs communicate with their teams. Are something to really focus on, and how to do it effectively. So, so what have you been thinking about that, and uh, and what can you share to really help other CEOs out there?
1: Yeah, um, I I remember like uh, you know it's kind of a funny story. So, uh, I think around communication, you know, initially when we were very small. So let me let me actually give a little bit of context. We didn't talk too much about describing my company, Duda. We're today 100, over 100 employees in at least three major locations, headquarters in Palo Alto, uh, R&D in Tel Aviv, and another sales account management office in uh, Louisville, Colorado. Um, So we started much smaller, of course, like any other company. And I remember we probably were around 10 to 15 people when uh, someone came to me and says, Itai, there's no transparency. And I, I... I felt like you know transparency. It was kind of a swear word. You know, it's the word that we used in you know transparency, visibility. That's kind of in the bigger corporates. Uh, that's you know, it, it's kind of it's not a word that uh, I I heard before in uh, initially because initially we were like five, seven people in a room. Everybody knew everything. Doesn't matter. One person's the programmer. I'm the CEO. I'm talking to customers. Everybody like information was disseminated very easily when everybody sits in a room. But now fifteen people starting to be more than one location communication starts to be difficult you need to kind of think about it you need to plan for it and and definitely as the company grows it becomes more and more difficult i'd say communication and getting communication right is probably one of the hardest things and one of the most important things right. um, I, everything from decision making and why certain decisions and strategy and and so on uh, you know, I think many many of the issues that I encounter uh, encounter uh, issues between people, uh, issues you know different issues is due to lack of uh, a good communication, and especially with today's technology, you know it makes it easier than ever to communicate, but it also makes it the hardest to communicate because. You lose, you know, with all of the slack and the, you know, and the email and all those. You lose that in-person communication, and something sometimes things get get lost in, uh, you know, in kind of uh, in, in that communication. Um, maybe shifting to talking about communication in agencies, because I know that's kind of the topic that we wanted to talk about. We sell uh, our our platform is is essentially a web design platform for digital agencies and SaaS platforms. And one of the things that we see with our digital agency customers who use our platform uh, to, to build websites for their customers is uh, that the, we help them, one of the things that we understood really early on is that one of the c- communication barriers that they have is uh, communicating uh, changes and revisions during the process of building a website with their end client, the SMB, uh, there's a lot of again a lot of tools that were out there. Usually, when the end customer is asking for a change, it could happen over text message. It could happen over email. People used to take screenshots, and a lot of ambiguity and and uh, not great communication happened when you know when that communication happens outside of context of building the site. So we kind of brought we we built a pretty cool feature that brings that communication layer into the web design process so people can highlight uh sections on their website and ask uh ask their their web design agency can you uh move you know this text from the left to, to the right? Can you color this, you know, change the font from you know purple to green. And all that is done through, you know, in a very visual way and in context of the actual website and really helps uh you know Optimize the communication between the agency and the end client and at the end speed up the entire process of uh, building a website
0: I used to run um, and 20 years ago, I used to run an agency and I'm very familiar with that uh, That cost you have once you've got a team of designers. You've got developers. You've got one person managing the account maybe and Trying to get that together. They maybe the account manager goes to the client they get that feedback, really trying to communicate that is really hard. It burns a lot of time, it creates a lot of cost, which isn't really helpful to the agency and is is unhelpful to the client. The client is not getting what they want, they're frustrated um that the the feedback loops uh, take a long time. so I can see that having that um really that, that improving that customer experience as much as anything um and enabling you to focus on where there's true value rather than um spending a lot of time on that communication there so we have burned a lot of time and uh and money which isn't high value for the agency is high cost for the and high time cost as well as high financial cost for the for the client I can see that having that uh, built into the tools to enable better delivery um makes a lot of makes a lot of sense how is it that you how did you come to finding that as one of the key differentiators for the product. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. First I'd say like, you know, you're, you're right on, you know, I think it's, it's really important to, to mention that as we think about building the product, we think of what is the, that key, the key pain point for the customer and what is, what is our, you know, main value proposition there. And I think you touched on it, that speed, speed is really a, a, a main factor here. The speed that the agency is able to, uh, you know, deal with their customers, provide end results, because at the end, time is money, right? If uh, the faster that they're able to get, that an agency is able to get to that end result that satisfies the customer, that's higher margins that they get to keep versus still having the team in the agency continue and, you know, work on on a project which could have ended uh, much sooner so you know communication and speed and all that is a is a key factor here and i think uh, w- you know we got to that understanding just by talking to customers and surveying them and you know we started from that web from the core website builder that's that's initially what we set out to solve but as we were solving that we understood that there's so many other ancillary uh factors that you know if we're trying to help them speed up the process it's not just going to be about adding paragraphs and images into a website it's really looking holistically at that entire process and that uh, what is happening between that agency and their end customer right how do they collect content everything that happens before building a website then you have the building of the website. Then you have the QA process. Then you have the back and forth revisions with the customer. So really, in order to decrease time, you have to look at that entire process from A to Z and see where can I add value. I think there's definitely areas that we know our pains that we feel, oh, well, you know, if we could solve it, it would be great. But it's not always the technology can't solve everything. So we try to do our best in the areas that we can solve. And that's where we focus.
0: Now you're now CEO of a company with say a hundred people in three locations and I bet you have a bunch of, um, a bunch of contractors in a bunch of other locations. Uh, I, I imagine a lot of your time is in hiring, um, people management. How do you stay close to the customer problem? Because this is, this is really now, what differentiates your company is being able to stay close to those customer problems and really solve those customer problems. How do you as a CEO ensure that your company is on track to solve those customer problems? Yeah, yeah. Murray, that's, that's a great question. Um,
1: I, think, I think you're right. I spend, I spend a lot of time, especially now, uh, a lot of time on hiring and dealing you know, with people-related uh, issues. You know, it's just a factor of, you know, having a a large company, uh, you know, needing to grow and needing to hire great people. I think the best thing as a CEO that I can do is bring the most talented people into the company. The, you know, the, the stronger that my management and leadership team is the strong, you know, the the stronger players that I have uh, that's, that's what's going to define our ability to, to succeed. So, so I definitely spend a lot of time there. Um, I, you know, Probably I wouldn't be lying if today it's around, you know, maybe 30 to 40% of my time is related, is related to hiring and people related uh, topics. Uh, and I think the only way, uh, you know, uh, getting to that second part of your question, how do you, how do, you do that and still stay um, in touch with the customer? Um, I think one is, you know, I have at a at hundred people, I have, uh, Good leaders uh, that are in very specific, you know, in customer-facing roles that are probably doing a better job than I would do if I was there. So I think it's key again to hire the right people and make sure that they are right in the sales in the customer success teams that they're that they're doing the right the right job and that they're leading these organizations to be successful. Uh, I still make sure that I find time, uh, I think, to to really understand. I think for me, from a strategy perspective, it's really important to always maintain the product market fit, not lose sight of that, right? That the product addresses the key pain points of the customers. Because I think if we lose that, that's the, you know, that's the riskiest part. You know, if we start, if those things started to diverge, then you really have a risk of you know you're going in the wrong directions, and we've seen you know that happen to companies or not real, uh, re, you know, not realizing risks and changes in the market and changes in trends uh, that are affecting uh, the ecosystem where you're in mm-hmm. uh, so I, I still try you know I, I try to get you know you know re- read uh, summaries of of my employees who are meeting with customers to understand you know, the value propositions and why they chose us and what, do, what pains do we solve and, and so on. And uh, occasionally I go to, you know, the conferences. I try to do high value impact, impact things where I meet multiple customers in a, in a shorter time frame. So through conferences, trade shows, events, uh, those are I've found to be really effective uh, means to stay in touch with the, the market.
0: And why did you choose? Why three offices? Because that, that has an, that has an expensive overhead. Yeah. It's funny.
1: I just had that conversation with, uh, you know, a group of CEOs that I met with over the weekend. And so first I'd say, I don't think there's one like one way to build a company and there's multiple ways to build successful companies and each company has its challenges and there's great companies that were built in one location and there's great companies that were built over multiple locations. So I think you can make, you you can make it work in multiple ways. Uh, I would probably have preferred one location if it was possible. I think in, in our situation with, uh, you know, my co-founder, we started the company together here in uh, Palo Alto in California, but pretty early on, for personal reasons, he wanted to move back to Israel. And we decided to make it work. He's the CTO, I'm the CEO. We built the R&D team around him. And for a very long time, we had these, you know, two main locations, Palo Alto and R&D in uh, Tel Aviv in Israel. And there's a lot of value from that. There's a lot of advantages. It's not, it's not just challenges. Your ability... Uh, to hire amazing talent in a different location. People, you know, there's less competition there compared to the Silicon Valley, which is where it's really hard to hire and very expensive. Um, you know, and, you know, people, people there are very, very loyal, and we have people, you know, amazing people that have been with the company now for eight, nine years. Oh. So these are things that very hard to achieve uh, in Silicon Valley, and we managed to achieve through two locations. I think the third location of uh, Colorado uh, was a little bit opportunistic. Uh, you know, I had a very you know, a talented executive that wanted to continue uh, to work for the company, but again, for personal reasons, decided to move there. We already had you know, one or two employees there. Told them, you know, get an office and start, you know, start to hire people, and, and now we have you know, sales and account managers there, and again, I'm kind of blown away by the the talent that we're able to get there, uh, and now from something that was initially started, you know, very opportunistic, now it's part of the strategy of the company to expand there, and I'm I'm very excited about
0: that uh, location. Excellent. If you uh, had one piece of advice for CEOs um, starting out or or growing their company, what would what would be one thing that uh, you would give them to the take away?
1: Sure. Yeah, I think. Uh, it's it's this it's it's probably what we talked about. It's uh, make sure you're hiring amazing people. Uh, when you realize that you've made a mistake in hiring, mm-hmm. it's already it's probably a mistake that was done a couple of months ago. So you're by the time you realize, it's probably quite a bit late. Right. Be you know be fast at making changes, and uh, where where it's needed. I've definitely made a, you know a, a lot of good choices and a lot of bad choices along the way. Uh, make sure that you really understand, uh, the, the market you're in the, you know, the customer pain points that your product really delivers on, on, uh, solving these key, key pain points. I think there's nothing like getting a great product market fit, having an amazing product. It's like, you know, it's like having, you know, the wind in your sails, uh, you, it allows you to make a lot of mistakes along the way and correct them because you're, you know, because you're, uh, you have that wind pushing it, you forward. You know, when you don't have product market fit, it's you could have that the most amazing team and they could try to row against the current or against the wind, but it's not going to be really effective. So, you know, that that would probably be kind of my second hire: great team, main, you know, make sure you have product market fit. You have those two things. I think you, got, you have a, got a great chance of being successful.
0: And I'm sure you do. It's I right. thank you very much for being on the show. I'm Murray Newlands, you're listening to the How to CEO podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time. If you have some amazing experience you'd like to share with other CEOs, we would love to hear from you. Please subscribe and see you next time.